Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of the Southwest Non-League Show. So, what I'm going to be doing in this one is I'm going to be talking about the upcoming law changes for the season ahead. So, why am I calling them laws? <laughs> so, the rule changes of football are called officially officially called laws, contrary to what everyone else calls them. Really, outside of sort of refereeing circles and some playing circles. Um, so, if some player has gone to, I've never broken the law. They probably have them just in football. Um, so I used to be a ref, and at this time of the season, it wasn't the fun part. Uh, sort of adapting your, your styles and reading up on each new law, because some required some big changes from yourself. So you know what I thought would be fun? Reading up on the law changes and putting it all in a podcast. The things I do for you guys. Uh, this one will hopefully be helpful uh, and useful for fans of non-league. Um, well, maybe not just non-league fans, but league fans as well, ones of the Premier League, because there'll be some rules that will apply to them. Um, referees, clubs, and players alike. Um, if not, I've just done this for absolutely no reason. I think I'll then just go sit in a dark room with a pint of haze, bash my head against the wall. Uh, so some of the law changes introduced a sort of modification of current laws and some have been changed to make them um, for more clarity. Um, there are laws at the very top of the game, um, sort of the Premier League and big leagues that are coming in, such as VAR, but don't. As, but as that's sort of only the Premier League, we won't really bother with that. We don't bother with Premier League here, do we? Um, the biggest one that affects many of our southwestern clubs is, is, of course, the sin bin being introduced to all leagues below Step 4 or up to Step 5, whichever way you want to say it. Um, we'll go into this in more detail a little bit later on in the podcast towards the end. Um, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good idea in principle and it's something that I hope works, but as I said, we'll talk about that again in a little while. So let's talk about some of the current rules that have been modified for hopefully the good of the game, apparently. Uh, Summer hopefully will certainly speed the game up, uh, which is one thing that people worry about with the introduction of VAR and more technology. Um, Though I think with the latter, I don't think we'll be worrying about that for many years down in the non-league structures. And that, of course, could, if it does slow the game down too much in the top leagues, um, too much being people force people down to non-league and see a proper fast-paced football match with little to no technology and some of the controversy we absolutely love about football. Although it's not quite the way anyone wants to do it. So let's kick off with kickoffs. Hey, <laughs> so uh, the team that wins the toss can now choose to take the kickoff or which goal to attack. Previously, they only had the choice of which goal to attack. So referees, um, most people believe you win the toss, you get to choose kickoff or which end to attack. It's not the case. Referees get to decide who has the kickoffs. Now, when I refereed, I usually picked the team that lost the, lost the toss um, would would kick off, um, depending or the team that. If they didn't change ends, they could have they could have the kickoff. I would sort of do it like that, um, unofficially. But you did sort of have to decide, and it is a bit of a little bit unfair way because you could just get one ref that referees a home side quite a lot and just say, oh, you have kickoff again today, lads," or just favours the home side or favours the away sides all the times. Although it doesn't really matter, you both get a kickoff at some point. But now they get the choice if they want to change ends, which most teams don't. It's quite a rarity. It is quite nice to see, good to see sometimes in a football match when they go, when you see the referee go out of his hand, change ends, lads, um, and it's quite a niche thing to do. So that's that's a change for them. Um, so another one that's going to be a rule that's coming in to change a slight modification um, is substitutions. So a, ble- a player being taken off now, and I repeat, should, this is going to be should, leave the playing field at the nearest point. So if they're over on the far touch line, furthest from the dugout, they should leave from there. Or if they're near the end touch line near the goals, they should leave from there. Now, this is a great idea because some players do already 
do that uh, but sometimes the ref doesn't allow it um, or mainly it's for a moment when a player is injured and they can't really walk around the pitch they need to see it receive more treatment but it is safe to move them so this is great in theory it should stop some needless time wasting and teams bringing on players near the end will hold an advantage or draw on a game or if the result whatever results go in their favor and we've all seen it when they've brought on a player knowing the lad will slowly toddle off not the slowest possible way but slow enough to sort of annoy everyone obviously this does frustrate everyone it frustrates opposition players refs fans even their own players sometimes because they just want to get on with the game and they start seizing up if it's too near the end um, or some of the older guys I mean, it, it can really slow down the tempo of a game sometimes now I think the hardest part of this law change will be when a player does come off and they'll come when they come off at more running pace if they if maybe if their team is isn't holding the advantage or is a nil nil game they want to win or they are holding or is earlier on in the second half players sort of just start they know when they're about to come off you get the shout and um, before the referee stops play if there's maybe the defender they're attacking so they get the shout next time it goes out you're coming off lad and they start walking off half if they're they're right back and they start walking off towards the left because that's where the dugout is now, by the time the substitution board comes up, they could be halfway across um, the pitch. So then, which byline is the closest? Do they carry on walking to the dugout and then go as might go as slow as they can still? Um, so that sort of thing, it could be an issue. Um, and it sort of it comes down to habit as well, because that's just habit where they used to do that. Where in theory now they can stay in that right back position longer and go off go off on the right hand side, and the substitution happens quicker and it, their team's more advantage. Although, one thing that it could do if your right back's coming off and he's gone off at the right-hand side, he's come on straight away, and referee can then near enough start play straight away. He couldn't be in position. It could cause an issue for the sides. Some sides get really annoyed by this. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it should work, and it should be a good, it's a needed needed change. Um, it, it does come down to sort of uh, player, the players um, sort of coming off, being, being responsible and coming off at the nearest touchline and not trying to evade, annoy the referee or evade capture. Is that the right word? Not really, but... Um, by coming off at the wrong points, or, or trying to walk away from that touchline to say, "Oh, that that the dugout side's nearest," and walking off slowly and just being silly about it, because there's going to be a lot lot of that. But then that could be they could easily end up in a sim bin, um, and <laughs> then the then 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 there's no substitution to take place until that player has come back on. Hey. But we'll see how we'll see how that works as well. Um, but obviously, it isn't just down to the players; it is down to the refs as well to properly enforce it. And it, a lot of it will come down to as well breaking habits for referees and players. And I think that'll be the hardest part of sort of that law being enforced. Um, penalties as well with goalkeepers. Goalkeepers need to keep a foot on the line. Um, so we all see it: keepers coming off their line before as the kick's being struck before the thing. But no, until the ball's uh, being struck and to come out, the keeper must, as they're coming off the line, keep one foot on the line. Um, Linesmans will need to enforce that. It's open to debate whether if a linesman sees it or if it's too quick and the linesman will do it. That's more going to be sort of VAR ruling that you'll see. Um, but there will be some that will see it or or think that the foot's come off the line. You can't argue either way and the penalty kick has to be retaken and might be scored. That one's going to be a very interesting one, particularly down um, in the, sort of the non-league structures. So let's go to the age-old handball rule. So, a rule that's had many, many grey areas for many years, and everyone said, just make every handball an offence. There's no argument as people, which refs are, and most players are too, uh, can all interpret things differently. Well, they've done it, sort of. So, there are changes, and the changes are as sort of follows. Essentially, the changes will mean that there will be no goal in cases where the ball accidentally strikes a player's hand before crossing the line. 
Similarly, if a player has accidentally handled the ball and created an advantage or subsequently scores, they will be penalised with a free kick. So despite this, some clarification, basically if they're going towards goal and the referee deems that the player has handballed it and they have gained an advantage from it, he'll he'll give a free kick and there should be no arguments. But really in open play... Um, and other non-goal scoring situations, there'll still be the shout and the argument if it is or not isn't. Um, and then comes back down to the interpretation sort of bit of it, whether the whole rule is, is going to be down to interpretation of the referee, whether it was they've, they've gained any sort of an advantage on, of it or whatever. Um, the goal scoring one, so basically it's any a player's hand is really good because that will be basically anywhere in the hand. It'll basically just be, the referee can just go, no, no, no goal. So the, like um, Man City Spurs, I think was a, Big one that's did that sort of introduced this rule change as uh, Christian was it Christian Eriksen or Lorente that scored, um, and it sort of hit their hand, and everyone was arguing should it be a goal, shouldn't it be? Was it deliberate? Was it accidental? Well, that would be no goal now. Um, and Spurs wouldn't have gone to the wouldn't have gone to the semi final. Um, but yeah, in open play and other situations where maybe not necessarily it is a goal scoring situation or a defending situation where it's difficult to tell and if it is the ball's just hit up and whether they've gained any advantage um, it'll be how referees interpret it still. So it's, it's got a little bit more clarification on it but I think it'll still cause many arguments and many debates. Um, of course there is the age old question, what constitutes as the hand? Is it going to be the shoulder down? Is it the shoulder included? Is it up to the collarbone? Where, where, where does it cut off? Because everyone interprets it interprets handball differently some people say just the forearm some people say well you can control it with your upper arm really difficult for everyone to sort of agree on one point on that even within the rules and fifa's laws etc so i think this one still cause plenty of arguments another rule change or law change drop balls so they'll no longer be competitive boo um no more drop ball scaps and pushing and shoving and as a player, I'll miss those, but certainly not as a referee because it was difficult. So what what will happen? So if players stop inside, stopped inside the penalty area, the ball will simply be dropped for the goalkeeper and he can kick it out. Not sure whether they, they'll be able to pick it up. I'm assuming not because I'm assuming this will class as a dead ball situation, essentially. If it is outside the penalty area, the ball will be dropped for a player from the team that has last touched the ball. In all cases, players will have to be at least four metres, four and a half yards, away from the ball. Bet they're fun at parties. So basically, it says it's manufacturing restarts anyway, so they may as well just do it this way. Um, yeah, so yeah, so in a situation maybe where a player's injured and someone, the referee has stopped play for a head injury, um, the player, the team that last had the ball will simply just get the ball back where, I'm assuming, from where they had it before. So maybe it, it will be an advantage where sometimes if they the play, play had been stopped or a ball had been kicked out or play had been stopped and they kicked the ball back to the goalkeeper... Um, but it's not going to stop it being kicked out and then it being forced all the way back to the goalkeeper anyway. Um, but then I don't know whether the referee can... It's not clear whether the referee referee can, is able to then go... Well, it's no throwing. You kicked it out for an injury. We'll have a drop ball there. Uh, we'll, have the ball, we'll have the ball drop for you there and you can play on from there. Um, but whoever came up with that, I bet they're fun at parties because there are situations where drop balls are quite competitive because it wasn't clear who last touched the ball or for whatever reason, but no more no more drop ball. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, carrying on with free kicks. No attackers... Oh, not free kicks, but moving on to free kicks then. So, no attackers in the wall. Yes, that age-old trick of attacker joining the wall to put them off, move the wall, try and get an advantage, it is no more. Well, as far as the laws want it to be anyway. So, 
When there is a wall of three or more defenders, the attackers are not allowed, allowed within one metre, that's one yard, of the wall. An attacker less than one metre, one yard from the wall when the free kick is taken will be penalised with an indirect free kick. So the free kick will go the other way if they are interfering with the wall and are, are, are less than one metre away. When the defending team takes a free kick in their own penalty area, the ball is in play once the kick is taken. It does not have to leave the penalty area before it can be played. That was some before it's essentially taken as a rule as the same goal kick. So you can start, so if it was a free kick um, on the right-hand side at the edge of the box, you'd, you'd, most people would be outside the box because it wouldn't be in play till it went out of the box. But now it'll be out of the play. It'll be in play from the penalty box so people can get near as long as they're the correct distance away from the ball. So, quick free kicks and cards. So this is quite an interesting one. Um, this one pretty much is all on referees or it won't work. Players, if you do want to take a free kick or a quick one, just make sure the ball isn't moving. Referees hate that and they'll, they'll just blow it up and make you retake it if you, if you try and take it kick and the ball's even slightly moving. So, if the referee is about to issue a yellow or red card but the non-offending team takes a free quick kick click, free kick quickly easy for me to say and creates a goal scoring opportunity the referee can delay the card until the next stoppage only if the offending team were not distracted by the referee so we've seen it many times and the play's carried on and both teams are attacking but the referee's blown up he said no I want to book number eight and it's, they've had to stop the free kick and then the free kick really comes to nothing um, so that's that's an interesting one it could work very well um, or teams could argue no sorry we're distracted by the ref and the ref gets caught in a in a muddle between the twos but that'll be up to refs to sort of enforce that one um, the next one it could, and this next one could take some fun out of goals for fans and players alike goal celebrations a yellow card will be awarded for an illegal celebration, e, for example, removing the shirt or running into the crowd, even if the goal is disallowed. There's something about being fun at parties again in, in that one. So that so players aren't going to take their shirt off until they know the goal's allowed or um, aren't, aren't going to run into the crowd because they'll still be yellow carded. It will still happen, but it could take some fun out, the risk of it if the goal's disallowed. So it might not be that initial reaction and they might not do that celebration. But imagine it'll be, especially towards the end of the season or a last minute winner, you still celebrate like you would anyway. Um, so let's get on to the big one for non-league uh, for most of our teams here then. The Descent Simbin. We know it's been coming to higher levels than where it's been tried out uh, previously for some time now. Nonetheless, it's creating plenty of discussion. Sadly, we won't see a blue card like many had suggested that could be brought in, but we'll, it will still be the red and yellow card. So it's very similar to the, that thing they do in the rugby thing. So who will it apply to? So it'll be introduced to all grassroots football up to and including step five. So the highest leagues it'll be in force for in the Southwest this year will be the Premier Divisions of the Western and Hellenic. So a lot of the teams in the region are going to be seeing the Simbins this season. So what are they? Simbins, what are they? It's basically a temporary dismissal. There is no specific area for a player to go or stand. The referee will point to where they want the player to leave the field from. I assume it's going to be a period... Well, it's going to be a, as it's going to be a period of t at least ten minutes that they're, they're dismissed for. They'll be permitted to walk around the edge to the dugout if they'd like. Um, I imagine this would be preferable as they will need a bib or a different coloured top on, as as the same with subs, not to confuse anyone, refs, players, linesmen. Um, and I imagine the players will want to keep themselves warm and run up and down the line. I'm sure they'll be permitted to do that as long as they're not inf interfering with play at all. 
So as I said, Simbins will last 10 minutes. That's in a 90-minute game only, though. It'll be eight minutes for any games of a shorter time. Um, and I believe that would include extra time. It'd be eight minutes um, if it goes into that and you'll, you'll dismiss it in the period of extra time. The Simbin period will only commence when the referee restarts playing. The referee will include any lost time, for example, injury delay. The referee is the sole attributor of time and is and to when the player can return. So permission can be given when the ball is in play. So the ball can, so if the ball is in play, they can bring, I'm assuming it, maybe if they're not going to interfere with the defender and attack, maybe they can be brought back in. They don't have to wait for the ball to go back out, but it is solely up to the referee's discretion when that player can come back on and when the, when the 10 minutes is up. That could cause some debate as well, I'm sure, uh, between fans and players. But but mostly, I think they'll be quite honest and they'll, they'll get it. They'll get the a fair ten minutes. Um, yeah, uh, you'd hope so, really, wouldn't you? I know a lot of clubs have been doing speaking to referees and leagues and stuff to sort of make sure this is as fair as possible. And, and referees, the reason they're referees is to try and make the game as fair as possible. And while it can't be said for all referees, it is is general consensus that they'll be be as fair with, especially with things like that as well. Um, so if this is done, uh, for example, though, uh, five minutes before half time, um, is so ex- including stoppage time. So maybe there is five minutes of stoppage time um, per se, and you've been you've been dismissed at the start of uh, start of that. So there's five minutes, and the referee blows for half time. You, the time will carry over into the second half, so you'd be sitting out for five minutes of of in play time of the second second half um, as well. So if you're simbinned and it goes to penalties, you can actually take one. So if you're simbinned in extra time or even in a 90-minute match, and you would still be in the simbin period at the end of that. You can still take a penalty and it wouldn't be carried over to the next game. So if you start in the next game, you wouldn't miss the first 5-10 minutes or whatever it is of that that you'd missed. So defined as being in the simbin from the moment they are cautioned for descent, even if play has not yet restarted. Any player who's been temporarily dismissed and commits a further yellow or red card offence whilst in the Simbin cannot take any further part in the game and cannot be substituted. So this will only apply for the offence of dissent, so basically telling the ref to F off or abuse or arguing with the referee, etc. And all dissent cautions must be dealt with in this way. Other cautionable offences will remain unchanged for the following season, for this season. So what happens if the player gets another card? So if the player commits another yellow card offence or red card offence during the Simbin period, as I've already said, they cannot take any further part in the game and they cannot be substituted. They'll be sent off. Commits a non-descent caution at any time on the field of play in addition to the Simbin period, they will continue to play. So basically, if you've if you've been booked and sent and sent to the Simbin, you come back on and get another yellow card for a, for a bad tackle, you won't be sent off. You'll just have that that'll be your first yellow card. Um, commits if you commit a second descent caution and no other offences, you'll receive a second period in the simbin. At the end of that ten minute period, the player can take no further part in the game. Essentially sent off, but for your team, there won't be a man light after that ten minute period because you can be substituted. But this is obviously providing the team concerned has not used all of their permitted substitutes. So, commits a second descent offence and has already had a non-descent caution, you'll take no further part in the game and cannot be substituted. So, you'll be shown the red card and you'll be off as as per normal. So, that, that clears up some of that little bits. Goalkeepers, it will apply to them as well. Um, and this is maybe a bit that causes a bit more debate. So, a goalkeeper, if they're sent to the Zimbin, a player will then have to go in goal. Obviously, not really going to... So, a player will then have to go in goal. This could cause a further delay. The referee will then restart play. The goalkeeper sits out for 10 minutes. The goalkeeper then 
has to come back on as an outfield player until an appropriate stoppage in play where the goalkeeper can then swap back in with the other player. So I think it's going to see a lot of goalkeepers, um, some goalkeepers changing to defenders and just have a goalkeeper on the pitch if your goalkeeper's a gobby one or if your goalkeeper is a gobby one trying to find a quieter lad um, to go in goal. That's going to be an interesting one and that's going to cause a lot of debate and arguments and a lot of whatnot. So that's... And that's... um, yeah, it's got to be done. It can't not apply to goalkeepers. They're, they're, they're on the field of play as well. It's, it's a lot less likely to happen, but goalkeepers, um, sometimes they're a different breed and sometimes are very hot-headed. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that one uh, does play out. My my opinion on it, it'll work, hopefully. Um, it's a good thing to bring it in for, descent, because it is something that, as referees, it's it's horrible. Um, and it gets really gets underneath your gears. And there is something that needs to really stop people, because getting a yellow card, you know, you just know, getting a yellow card after you've told the referee to F off once or whatever isn't really a punishment. Being t- told to sit out the game, that's a good punishment, and it should deter people from doing it, because you will be a man light for 10 10 minutes or so um, and if you do it more than once you've got someone that's really gobby they'll be off they'll be off very very quickly I used to when I was a referee um, the, the first player some referees let the first couple go but the first player that showed me a bit of dissent would get booked from either side would get booked now this was this did this did work quite often as a deterrent because if you did it quite early in the match the player, the player would then. Uh, I, I had one instant where a player did then do it, started doing it again, um, but very quickly his teammates were like, "No, matey, don't, don't do it, don't just shut up, because you, you'll get sent, you'll get sent." And we're only fifteen minutes into the game, um, and that player did was quite a bit quieter for the rest of the game, and because your teammates are starting to get on your back. So that's what I did to try and help myself. Didn't always work, and you would get a player sent off or a couple of players sent off in a match quite quickly um, for for descent, and that caused things. Well, he's only abusing you. Right? but you're a human being it is against the law of the game um, and that you should be showing respect to the referee as they do in rugby they call them sir and, and whatnot and, and madam if, if for the women for the women referees and that they have said the FA have seen this that they saw a 38% reduction we'll see how it goes um, I, I, would, I would like to see it introduced for other offences possibly in the future um, one I've had a discussion with people many years ago was a professional fouls or semi-professional and non-league case um, where players do take out a player on the halfway line if they're going to be pretty much clear on goal to get an advantage or if their team is struggling to get back and um, they'll take out a player and take the yellow card on but if that happens in the last 10 minutes of a game now you'll be off for 10 minutes you won't see it and your player, team will be a man down so it might discourage people from doing that won't necessarily stop it but it could see a reduction in that there are many or pretty much all yellow card offences you could see a 10 minute sim pin, bin period depends on how it slows up the game for me but I think that could be good because we could see less fouls and less certainly less descents a good thing and less professional fouls in sort of the sense of trying to gain an unfair advantage because that that spoils the game we, we're all here to see goals and that that can really spoil uh, spoil the game sometimes so that's pretty much it for this quick bonus episode of this this uh, non-league show podcast. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I've done the justice for the rules and I hope I've not bored you too much. Um, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>